Welcome to Everything Leftover, our podcast on HBO's The Leftovers. My name is Justin Blizzard. And I'm Keith Krepko. I almost introduced myself as my Twitter handle. <laughs> do, you, do you think we're ever going to get there as a society where we just... I think we are. I feel like, you know what? I feel like I've stumbled upon something. I feel like in some for some people, their Twitter handle is more descriptive of them than their name. Sure. Like it's it's just as maybe it's more meaningful. We're going to talk about episode uh whatever number this was of oh. season 2 of the last of the leftovers. 6 6 7? I think it was 6. Yep. I don't know the name of the episode either because uh you know, who gives a bleep <laughs> at this point? <laughs> I do. Right. So uh I think I've reached we've reached the point of the season 6 episodes in where you are on board. I'm on board. And I am uh waving goodbye to you as you leave the station on the train. <laughs> So I'm going to let you do the uh, talking on this episode because outside of the last 10 minutes, and I do have some notes here, some things I do want to talk about, but outside of the last 10 minutes of this episode, uh, for me, it was more of the same. And that same is something that I have not liked for probably a good four episodes now with this show. Yeah. The... uh, I was a little impressed to uh, see that they opened the show with the Jim James song, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Although, um, I will, I do have to admit that I don't think that just reciting vowels is the strongest songwriting effort you can make. <laughs> well, I mean, at one point he leaves some vowels out when he repeats it, so. Sure. He he has some artistic interpretation on the vowels. Yeah. So this episode we follow the Murphys. We follow the this is more of a traditional episode of television, right? You just get you're kind mm-hmm. of following you, you get a, a little bit of everyone in this episode, which is kind of what I was asking for. Yeah. But I'm gonna have to Be I'm careful gonna, you uh, yeah, wish it's, for it's, it's too late for me. And the episode is called Lens. That's right. Because of a absolutely stupid theory that they spend a lot of time on in this episode, even if it is just a crackpot theory. Didn't you like the fact that they did tip into a little bit of the world building to show you that people are out there crackpotting it away, trying to... I mean, this is my, this is my problem with it. This okay. is the problem I have with that as a general idea. The creators of this show have spent so much time talking about how this show is not about the departure. It's not about what caused the departure. You're never going to find that out. And yet they are constantly referencing it in the show itself. It just feels like, and I'm, I look, I'm not looking for an answer for the departure. I don't care about it, which is why them now spending time on that is frustrating or not frustrating. It just is annoying and it seems lame. It just is like I've read in every single interview, they go out of their way to say, look, this isn't about the departure. You're not going to, you're not going to ever find out blah, 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 blah. It's just like, okay, well, why are you now rubbing our faces in it in every single episode? It, that doesn't mean that they can't reference it, that the world that these characters inhabit is not going to, be one in which people are in some ways consumed with trying to find the answer. Sure. But none of like, it's also now becoming a catalyst for Nora's like, we're now going to have to deal for the rest of this show's existence with Nora trying to come to terms with this idea that she's the sole entity that's causing all of this pain for every single person around her. And that to me is also not interesting. Okay. I guess Nora's story in its of itself was interesting on its own. I don't need this extra layer of like, 
is she this lens for all of this bad stuff to happen? The answer is no. First of all, no. Right. The answer is no. Ex- okay, exactly. So don't spend any time on it. No. It's a stupid idea. We we can know that, but for a character to be struggling to figure out the... And, and I don't think that she would believe it either. But I think what's interesting is that you're seeing her not be able to shake such a ridiculous notion. You know what I mean? Like, how many times... We do a podcast on fancy football. How many times have I referenced that I feel cursed because of what happens to me whenever I take a, a chance in fancy football? Sure. Okay. That's a ridiculous notion. At the same time, on Sunday, when the one o'clock games are winding up and my depression point is hitting its nadir, do I somehow think that I am in some kind of nexus of bad luck. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. You know? So to have a character be wrestling with a, a preposterous notion is not inherently something that's unengaging. And I would argue, I guess this is a great place to start. The Nora storyline, I love what they're doing with Nora. Mm-hmm. I think I've always loved what they're doing with Nora. So what are they doing with Nora? So with Nora, what we've seen this season is we've gotten to see a glimpse of Nora's brokenness that we all knew was there uh, in, in her character. But it wasn't coming out in overt ways. It was She seemed to be somebody who had things together. And slowly this season, you've seen them start to be taken away from her, where you have uh, Kevin sleepwalking, and you have this moment a few episodes ago where Nora believes that a, a second departure may have happened and you see her having to deal with that reality, mm-hmm. I thought was, was extremely well done. And then now the scene that stands out to me in this last episode is the scene where she's on the phone with a lady, a doctor mm-hmm. who wants to do some studies on her based on this lens theory. And you see, you know, Nora first having to deal with this dude who, again, yeah, he has no personal skills. Uh, he also has the worst hair I I've seen mm-hmm. in real life or in art. Sure. And well, I don't know why I responded so negatively to that man's hair, uh-huh. but I really did. I had a real problem. It was like a wet mullet kind of, thing kind of long a mullet it was just like combed back yeah it was combed of. back but it was very wet slash shiny there was something it, it was just a a baseline reaction against that hair mm-hmm. so you have him who kind of starts off if anybody approaches you that way you think whatever this person is about i don't want to be about they're crazy And again, we come into the security of the park rangers who are just like, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, let them them through. Research? All right. (laughs) Research? Sure. You want to go harass our residents? No problem. Um, And then you have her having to deal with his coworker, superior, and she seems to have it together. I I was interested in what you're saying because she seems to be able to say, I apologize for him. We're not crazy. We really have some data here that might suggest that you are this lens. <laughs> we really have some data here that might suggest that you're a demon. <laughs> no, and then the demon comes out. That's what's beautiful about uh-huh. it. Nora is is forcing her to sit, like, keep telling me your theory because she's looking for the other shooter drop. She's she's wanting something to happen to disprove this growing feeling in her that she is responsible in some way for her family leaving, you know? And it finally comes in the lady spouting this insanity about a demon attaching sure. himself to her. And then you see her and she laughs. Like you see the relief on her. Yeah. So that's a to me that's a beautiful arc. That was a great arc to follow. My problem with it is that 
there are so many other things that this show needs to be addressing that I don't want to be spending time, any amount of time with crackpot theories. Sure, they're interesting. I've crackpot theories are always interesting, whether they're in a show or whether it's a real life person who's a conspiracy theorist or whatever. There are so many other things that I want to know that they've explicitly referenced in other episodes that that's what I want to see. And we now have three episodes left of this season and they have not progressed Tommy's storyline at all from episode three. He's he's gone outside to say he's now gone missing, which, you know, whoop de doo it's like what are you doing like okay why are you damon lindelof has got like he's got a head full of interesting references that he cannot tie together into a meaningful storytelling experience okay i want to push back on a few a few points okay number one this is not just following a crackpot theory that's not tied to anything in the story. It's tied to Nora. The crackpot theory is being explored through this character. So they're linked. Every time the theory is discussed, talked about, it's always through the context of Nora engaging it, interacting with it, and wrestling with it. So it's not like they're just chasing a side trail on this crackpot theory of a lens. They're exploring that through... Nora's character so again the reason why I love it is that in every scene it exposed more about her as a character so I don't think they are just like randomly running around secondly I thought that you might and maybe we'll get there I thought you might have problems with how many questions this episode answered because this this episode in quick succession answered a lot of stuff well, it doesn't answer anything without then raising even more questions. You find out that the psychic black man who's been, whatever he's been doing to everyone in town, is part of the Murphy family, which anybody who's been watching the show could have deduced after the yeah. first episode. Okay, yeah. Okay, so you get an answer, quote unquote, but guess what? You still don't know who he is. You don't know if he's uh, a brother, if he's a father. The father. I thought that was clear. When is that made clear? Uh, He's never referenced as a grandfather. They go out of their way to not mention his name and not mention his relationship to anybody in the family. When the mother uh, goes up to Michael and is like, I told you never to speak to him. She doesn't say, I told you never to speak to your grandfather or to your uncle or to Brian. Okay. She goes, the show goes out of their way to give you a glint of an answer, but to still keep it shrouded in mystery. You, you are being blinded by your own negativity. Okay. Then tell me who he is. Oh, look, he is. Most likely her father. I feel like they mentioned it when she goes to talk to him. They do but, not. Trust me, look, I was looking okay, for it. All right, but a case can be made that he has wronged her in such a way that she does not want to refer to him as by the name, that's, by the that's, grandfather. That's garbage. By the father. That's because she goes, she goes there and she's like, leave my family alone. He's like, I am your family. And she won't acknowledge him. That's so, cheapo storytelling. It's not cheap. It's, yes, it's it's, it, when I've got... Uh, two uh, one and three quarters of a season of of a show to back me up they're they're just trying to keep it mysterious for mysterious sake it's 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 and that's the other thing you have no idea what he did so it's like okay okay. well we know this now there's five other things we don't know okay but i mean and they also go out of their way on that to avoid it you know what he did and you know that it's unforgivable I do know what he did, and it's not unforgivable. What did he do? No idea. Right. But that is annoying. Well, that can be resolved so quickly. I, I just feel like you're, you're not maybe getting the answers that you want, or the answers that you want are then revealing more answers that you don't have, and you're focusing more on that. But I think 
I think, look, number one, I can give, I think, a rational explanation for why they don't reference his relationship or his name because she does not want to acknowledge him as, as part of her life at all. Number two, in terms of what he did, name it. What I mean, they're not going to invent a new thing for him to do. So he was, uh, he was drinking and was responsible for the, for the death of his wife in a car accident. He uh, molested her. It, um, you, you, you cannot excuse everything with that's not at this point. Every single issue that people have with this show is being excused by. Well, that's not the point. Yeah, something happened, but that's not the point. The point is how they're dealing with it. Well, okay, at at some point, I'm going to want to know what happened. Okay, okay. I, I'm I'm full. I've my 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 meter of uh my meter is full, right? I I, I now want to know what has happened. Your you've ambiguity given me enough, meter. You've given me enough. That's not the point, right? Well, I'm not, I don't think that I'm technically saying it's not the point, but that's what you just said. It's not the point. No, but but I think what I'm saying is that you're not. You're you're allowing your focus to drift more off base because of your frustration. So let me let me try and get you back on the questions that were answered. So now we understand more about the town. The things that we suspected have turned out to be true. And the man who walks around slaughtering goats apparently in did a, it in a terribly written and performed scene. Yes, all of that stuff is explained. All right, so you did not like the acting. You did not like the scene. You did not like the answer. No. I mean, you already knew the answer because I read the interview with uh, Reza at, after the first episode. I mean, that's the, the, her her uh, dialogue in that scene is almost like literally his explanation to Vulture. That's so like, yeah, I mean, I knew that's what it was. I don't know how that registered with people who didn't know what that was. But for me, the scene felt. It just was poorly acted. It felt cheap. And and it, it goes to my point of, I feel like Damon Lindelof is full of interesting ideas that when they're actually played out, they're not that, he, he just doesn't, he's not good at delivering on the promise or on the expectation of the initial idea. I did not have as many issues with the scene as you did. But I will say that there were moments where she was calling people. The moment that stood out to me is when she called out John. When she called out her husband. And uh-huh. I felt like she almost put too fine a point on it. That it did, again, betray his character. And expose him for being kind of having no purpose. In the things that he does, he seems to be more and more the type of guy who's like, I'm going to break in this door. I'm going to get shot and then I'm going to make somebody come drag me out. Right. And I'm not going to going to accomplish anything because she's like, you are going around assaulting people who are selling water. And then he's not doing anything to the guy who's slaughtering goats around town. Yeah, it, it that to me, and and she's right. She's like, it doesn't make sense, and I'm like, it doesn't make sense. Why would he go after the guy selling the water, and not the guy killing goats? Unless it comes back as a character beat to to, to say he in his core is acting out of fear of a supernatural that he does believe to be true, and he. And he's scared to disrupt certain people's activities. You know, maybe like people's activities before the departure. Like he seems to be more upset with people who are operating supernaturally after the departure. Sure. Did you have a feeling about that at all? No. No? So you, but I mean, it does make sense, right? That sure. he wouldn't go after the, after goat killing. Well, oh, Jerry. That was the other thing that I loved. I love that his name was Jerry mm-hmm. and the way that she says it. She's like, no, Jerry, you're not going to do that, Jerry. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't care for that scene at all. 
Uh, I, did, I, I did not care. I thought the acting was bad. Like, not just like, oh, this isn't great. I thought it was not good. So. Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to go that far. I thought, I thought she did well with what was written. I thought what was written was pretty on the nose. Yeah, sure. That could be it. That yeah. could be it more than anything. I, I, I actually, throughout um, throughout this episode, I thought Regina King did a... I thought she was good yeah. outside of that scene. Oh, okay. No, see, I thought that she was strong all the way through. Here's the other thing. We got an answer on the birds. Sure, and that was interesting. Yeah. Good. Glad. I'm happy to have We're it. getting it. Okay, we're getting it. I answers. got one answer about a dead bird. And about the goats, about the town. I already you knew got, the answer about the goats. No, you got confirmed. Because you can't be okay with that and not be okay with not knowing that man's relationship to the family. You know, we know it. Off the record. I don't know it. We know I it. don't know if that guy is her dad or her brother. Yeah, it could be her younger brother, maybe. Her really it old, old-looking older brother. brother. He's not that much older-looking than she is. He's that much older-looking no. than she is. Yes. Um. The, okay, if it's so obvious, then why don't they just say grandfather or say father? If it is so obvious, then just give us the stinking relationship. <laughs> it, that's the other thing that bothers me. It's like you're holding this out like it's a great mystery. It's not. Just give us the relationship. All right, but but look at the other side of that coin. They're holding out because it's not a great mystery. Because they are thinking no, that, that is, if you're actively that watching it, they would excuse. know it. That is a lame excuse. So, so, so all, you would be more happy with her going after me like, listen, dad. I would be more happy it. with her in the scene where she is confronting her son to, instead of saying, don't talk to him, to say, don't talk to your grandfather. She doesn't. Because you, because you know why? She, she's not saying his name. That is his no, status. Yeah. No, it's not her, his status in her mind. She, she is saying him. And you know what his reaction is? Who? Because he doesn't know who she's talking about. <laughs> him. You can talk about half the population of the world. No, he's playing dumb because she goes, you know who I'm talking about. He's playing dumb. There, the, there. The writers are playing there. dumb. We have this it. Is, and this is what I don't like about it. I was, I've been going back through the Champs back catalog. The podcast. The podcast, The Champs. The Champs mm-hmm. And I recently listened to um, an interview they did with, Rusty Cundiff, who's a director, he's directed a bunch yeah, of Yeah, I remember that one. He was also at one point an actor in soap operas. And he was talking about how the pacing of soap operas are set up in such a way that any person can tune in at any day of the week, at any point in the timeline, and know exactly what was going on. So his example was, if his character was plotting to kill somebody, on Monday he would be like, I'm plotting to kill this person. On Tuesday, he'd be like, yeah, remember yesterday I said I'm plotting to kill this person? I'm, I'm going to kill this person. On Wednesday, he would say, okay, I'm get this person I've been talking about killing, I'm going to kill them. On Thursday, he would say, okay, that person I'm going to kill, I'm going to kill them, and then he kills them. And then on Friday, he says, remember that person I said I was going to kill? Yeah, I killed him yesterday. <laughs> and that's what the pacing of this show feels like. It feels like it's being paced like a soap opera where it's it's you have all of this stuff that's going on and yet every single episode you just keep referencing the stuff that's going on without actually pushing that stuff forward right it's like we've gotten the si- the exact same questions i've had from episode 1 i have now minus the birds why <laughs> this woman is burying birds and why some guy cut a goat's throat in the middle of town. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I've spent six hours now watching this show, and I've learned two things that are completely inconsequential to the actual story of the show. I think that you're, you're being, what's the word I'm looking for? Not ungenerous, but, but what you're, you want it both ways. You're agreeing that it's not about the mystery. And you I don't want need answers to for the mystery. Stop watching this stupid show. Yes, but but then you're holding it accountable for not giving you answers on things that you're fundamentally saying. I know that this show is not about answering like the big mystery, but then you're only treating it as a delivery system of answering questions, and it's not. I mean, 
to me, it is exploring rich thematic material in terms of the characters, in terms of the plotting. No, of course not. Of course it's not moving along on like a, like a, a action to action, you know, connection between the scenes. This character's doing this because of this, because of that. It's more about what is the question that we're asking with this character about grace with Matt or about kind of living with that survivor's guilt, you know, or living with the, the pressure of your, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess, I guess survivor skill is the closest thing I can get to it. But also, like, I've, I can identify with Nora, not that I've out-survived people that I thought I should have, you know, perhaps died with, but because I feel like sometimes the cosmos is conspiring against me in certain things. Like fantasy football. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But not just fantasy football. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not somebody who lives... <laughs> without need. Uh-huh. So I mean, no, my my life I've I've had other issues that I've faced. There are better examples than fantasy football. Right. Where like I just felt fantasy like fantasy basketball. <laughs> no, yeah. That's why I don't play that anymore. Right. Fantasy baseball, let's not even go there. <laughs> but you know, like I, I've I've had things where something works out and then all of a sudden my car won't start. Sure. And everything that I've worked to get to that point is now gone. Gone. And I am back below square one trying to figure out what I'm going to do and why. Why did it happen after this good thing happened? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but, but there's no cosmic conspiracy, you know? There's no, but, but I believe those things I at some point. I don't get any of that from this show. I don't get, I don't see any of those threads in this show. Outside of the, one idea that a demon has attached itself to Nora that is introduced in this episode, the 16th episode of the show. But that's I don't not, see any of those. That's not a show. serious suggestion. That's not a suggestion they're going to explore. Sure, I hope not. No, it's but not. I mean, even, but they are even, 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 you know, sort of supplement, even if it's supplemental, because now Nora is going to be on this kick of. No, this is all caused by me. No, no, no. You don't she, think she's going to be worried about that? Not not in the way that you're fearful of it doing, right? Like, what that scene was doing where they introduced this end times theory of, you know, her being a... Uh, right. I don't think she's going to think there's a demon attached to her. Right. No. But I do think she's going to be struggling with this idea that she is a lens quote unquote quote unquote but but take the theory of the lens and apply it to yourself have you ever felt like a lens in your life to other people to to you have you ever felt well, i mean like, the whole idea of a lens is that you're affecting the people around you right but you are bearing the pressure of whatever this cosmic force is that can affect other people but 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 you feel like for for whatever reason You've been singled out in this moment to bear this burden of crap, you know? No, I've never felt like that. <laughs> You've never felt like... <laughs> not that I know of. I mean, I've, I've felt like I have bad luck. Yeah. I don't see that as the same thing, though. I, don't, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't get that meaning from Nora's ordeal. Yeah, I'm I'm taking that as the as the mustard seed that leads to the larger, you know, kind of tree mm-hmm. that she's dealing with, right? Like she, so on a on a grander scale, you obviously know the theory of survivor's guilt, right? Sure. So, why would somebody feel guilty for surviving a horrible ordeal? Some people who've caused it and some people who haven't Definitely the people who haven't caused it, right? Doesn't that fundamentally not make sense? But, sure. but it's, yeah, but it's, but it's real. It's true. It happened. So, and I think it's because when we have to bear that weight of these people dying and we were there, we were close to it. 
that we feel responsibility in some way. So I think it's a, I think it's a fascinating way <clears throat> to explore survivor's guilt in Nora. She's not going to be dealing with it, I think, in the way that you're saying as like a plot point. She's dealing with it as a philosophic concern of how do you deal with surviving a senseless situation that other people did not. You know, mm-hmm. how do you how do you rationalize that? How do you move forward from that? That's what she's dealing with. The, 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 the lens is not the issue. That's the real issue. OK. I and don't I don't agree. I just don't agree. You you <laughs> are the one who edits this. So I'm going to be, I'm going to trust. Look, I don't edit anything major out. Well, I'm going to trust. I'm going to do something <laughs> to screw it up here. So right. you have to listen to this again. Okay. So I'm going to trust. Oh, no, I listened to the whole thing. Okay, yeah. So I'm going to trust on a second time through that what I'm saying will actually... It will register. It will register. All right. Maybe. But you'll never know because it will be edited out. Right. Um, so can we briefly talk about Matt, who has already been freed from the stockade? No. Miraculously? No, he seems to... So, so again, the, the the stockade has proven to be a a a voluntary position. So, no, 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 that's not what he said. He said the only reason they let him out is because he refused to let anybody take his place. Right, right. It's it, it's fundamentally voluntary. You know, I mean, uh, it's voluntary once you know that. Yeah, but it's no, not no, voluntary until you know that. No, I don't think that he went in there thinking, this is my life. I'm now, I'm now stuck here. I think he went in there saying, I'm proving a point. What I thought was interesting was, is now do you see the culture change around it? Proving a point to who? He's trying to prove a point to himself. But what he's doing is he's trying to do a Christ-like act. He's trying to say, for no reason, I am going to take upon myself your sins and bear them on this. So in he this wasn't stockade. in there out of any feeling of guilt or any feeling of repenting for past actions. That was, that was my argument last episode where uh-huh. I think he did have those selfish underlying feelings, which perverted a good act. Uh-huh. It, it, that, that is again, that notion. And can we talk about that quickly? Because yeah. after listening to the episode, I'm going to say, I disagree with your stance and my agreeance to your stance, I think, I think pulling over and helping somebody whose car has died is always a good act, regardless of your intentions. Your intentions are for you to deal with, but I feel like how can you say that? That's 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 preposterous. That is not preposterous because you, look, you're helping somebody out. Yeah, because if 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 you're that other person. I don't care what your intentions are. You're helping me with my car. That's a good thing. As long as after my car is fixed, you get in your car and scoot off. I don't give a care what you do. Exactly. I don't give a care what your intentions yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. See, but but you're you're approaching it just from a humanitarian standpoint, right? But what I'm saying and what I think this show is trying to suggest is the spiritual reality that undergirds that. So what you had back in Jesus's day, right, were Pharisees. What was the big problem with the Pharisees? They did things that they were supposed to be doing that made them look good on the outside, but inside, all their reasoning was wrong. But that makes them a bad person. It doesn't make what they're doing a bad thing or a bad act, I don't feel like. Well, well, no, and that's what St. Augustine says. He says... A virtue done outside of faith, right, for the wrong reasons, is nothing but an excellent vice. So it is, it's, it's excellent, right? Like, there, there is an element of good there. Mm-hmm. But it still ultimately is a vi- it will count against you, mm-hmm. you know? And again, that's the spiritual idea of what we do as humans compared to a spiritual reality is like, it's worthless. It's worthless. You know, because we're we're fundamentally broken, and that's a that's a biblical idea too. You know, so <clears throat> where 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 Paul says, you know, your righteous acts are like filthy rags to God because He is operating on a different plane than we are. 
So that's all I'm saying. You are right. Me pulling over to help somebody could, yeah, that person is getting a real help. Now, if internally I'm saying to no one else but myself, oh man, I can't wait for the good thing that's going to happen to me after this. Mm-hmm. Well, why? that's not a good thing that I've done then, that now I'm expecting some kind I of mean, cosmic that makes payback. you a selfish jerk, but it doesn't make what Thank you, you did a bad thing. Thank that's exactly that's all I'm saying. It all makes right. yourself a jerk. Okay. So somebody else could come come by you, and if they lived with you, and you were that person who did everything good, expecting something back, they could look at you and be like, "You're a selfish jerk, and I hate you." Right? But that person, to everyone on the outside, has only done good things. But they wouldn't be wrong. They're right. Sure. I mean. I don't think it yeah. makes you as selfish of a jerk as somebody who just drives by and she's like, ah, screw that guy. I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like I'd rather have somebody do something that's honestly what they'd want to be doing than somebody who, and, and that's the idea of pity, right? Like either you're coming to help me and you're like teaching me how to, it's that old adage, right? Of, uh, um, Oh, you know, I'm I'm skipping the adage because it's too late and I can't remember the <laughs> adage. But anyway, it's it's this idea of are you just meeting somebody need somebody's needs? Or are you like really helping them? You know? Like if I were to throw money at a homeless person and be like, here, here's two bucks, take care of yourself. Versus somebody who's like, Hey, let's help try and get you someplace where you can actually maybe have a chance of turning your life around. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, which one is fundamentally a better act? It's the one who's trying to fundamentally address the real concern and what you're talking about is somebody who's just throwing money at a problem being like i'm a great person uh okay so back to matt converting the uh hippies so yeah he he's converted the hippies right did you see that too sure all of a sudden he's like here we're we are people who share everything now right do you remember that line I remember them going into the thing and there being a marked difference between everybody. And there's a marked and, difference. And I remember the first thing, seeing Matt climb out of the stockades voluntarily and be like, uh, being fed up because that it's just like, all right, I thought he was in it for the long haul. I mean, you get the impression at the end of last week's episode that like he's in it, he's in it, he's in it deep, right? And then the first thing we see is him like, wiping himself down and climbing out. He's got a big grin on his face. He's like, oh, okay. I guess it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was last episode. Well, no, I think I think what, again, this is speculation, but I feel like what they're saying is his act of mercy, of grace, was received by the people. And they were like, your selfless act of going up there has actually shown us something, and we can we can get behind this. Like, up until he did that, they didn't really have a uniting kind of rule or theology or idea. Mm-hmm. And you saw that by, like, come and beat me and scream this person's name. Or we're just sitting in this trailer doing whatever, being rude to everybody, right? Like, there, there was no sense of community there. But now that somebody came and stripped themselves naked and got in the stockade voluntarily relieving the, the 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 last person and seemingly trying to take on the sins of the camp he has risen in their eyes as this kind of spiritual figure mm-hmm. that they can get behind so i think what what you're seeing there is a change of community that's now around this person which i would argue is one of the themes of this season where you have communities trying to arise around figures so you have tommy mm-hmm. right you have the guilty remnant. Now you have Matt outside of um, Miracle. And then you have the people in Miracle who are trying to unite around an idea, a, a sense of safety, and they can't because there's no truth at the core there. There's nothing for them to hold on to. There's just ritual, right? Just empty ritual. Mm-hmm. But what Matt has given the people outside of Miracle is a figure that they can, they can get behind. He's, he's showing them something that they can understand, and now they've, they've been galvanized. It's, it's, it's how any religion starts, right? Sure. 
It's I see it's all there. Like I think it's it's all there thematically. It's not all there story-wise though. I agree with you. Story-wise it's it's very uh unfulfilling. Thematically though, I think it's very interesting. I mean sure because you don't because you don't have to you don't have to be as explicit when you're talking about thematics, right? It's just as like this is here here's an here's an interesting idea. And then I, depending on how much thought you put into it, it could be an interesting idea or not. But when they actually follow through on it and write a story about it, then it's like is okay, so is this is this good or not? Not good. This show's not good. Because I, they can't follow through on that stuff. I, or at least they'll say they're not following through on that stuff. So the last 10 minutes yeah. of this episode are the only worthy 10 minutes to talk about, even though we've spent the past 40 minutes talking about the other yeah, part of the proving, episode. Proving that statement wrong. Yes. So the last 10 minutes of this episode are really good. And you get some really good character stuff between Nora and... The Murphy's wife. Uh, no, I don't know her name. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, and you f- get in a really good confrontation between Nora and Kevin, where he finally decides to confront his yeah uh, problems. So you were talking a little bit earlier about. Uh, well, I guess we talked a lot about Nora and, 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 and what's going on with her. So at the beginning of the episode, Nora throws a rock through the Murphy's window. Why does she do that? In, um, in your mind, why did she do that? And Regina King is Erica. Erica, that's right. Um, <clears throat> so Nora throws the rock through the window. Right, and she does not have her hearing aids in, so she doesn't hear it, and John was asleep, so he didn't hear it. Was she shown in the background of that scene, Nora? No, it was a front shot of the Murphy's house, and you see Nora either walk up, and she just throws the rock through the window, and then she walks away. But it's a pulled-back shot, so you don't totally get to see who it was, but I mean, it's obviously Nora. Right. Um, I guess I didn't think about that as much. What? what I mean, what? Nora throws a rock through somebody's window. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, I, I, I promise you, I forgot about, I forgot about her throwing the, <laughs> right. the, the, I mean, the, the episode the ends with there. Erica throwing a rock through their window. <laughs> right, right. So I mean, what? Let, let me ask you what what you thought of. Uh... So my feeling on it is that Nora, I was too caught up in uh, Saint Augustine, sure, and Grace, sure. <laughs> my feeling on it is that Nora is, and this is something that I assume is a natural feeling. This is how this is how I felt after my dad died. So my dad died when I was 25, which is fairly young, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. For for a for a child, it's not the youngest, of course, obviously. But after for a period after that, there was a part of me that felt like kind of uh I guess angry at other people's problems or when other people express their problems. Because yeah. it was like, hey, my dad just died. You know what I mean? Like, I'm hurting right now. So that's kind of what I am taking her motivations as. As Nora's kind of the poster child for, uh, the de- for like the worst case scenario in the departure. Right? Her right. kids, her entire family departed. Um, and so whenever this issue comes up. You know, at, at this point, the Murphys are grieving because Evie has disappeared. We don't know what's happened to her. And also now they're starting to get all this attention for it. And so I feel like she, Nora is expressing sort of her irrational anger towards them because it's like, oh, your daughter disappeared. 
I'm sorry, but my entire family departed. Right. That's kind of how I read it. I'm not entirely sure if that's correct. I don't know if that feeling that I had is how universal of a feeling that is. Yeah. No, no, I think that's I think that's pretty universal. I mean, um th- there is that scene where she's visiting Matt and he's like, you know, I wouldn't taking showing up <clears throat> be an act of hostility towards them. Right. And she's like, why? And he's like, cuz you're so angry. Right. She's like, what are you yeah, talking yeah, about? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, so that that's a hundred percent what it was. And that's why honestly the scenes totally slipped my mind because I that was it. You right. know, she was angry, she was expressing herself. It wasn't the right way, obviously, to sure. to to express herself. And it came to a head in the interview, which I thought was amazing. So can I ask why they were being so passive aggressive to each other during their interview? Is it just because Nora's angry and Erica all but knew that Nora was the one who threw the rock through her window? Yeah, because I think I think as Erica has has interacted more with Nora, she's seen that what a raw kind of nerve Nora is and how unaware Nora is of that. And during that scene, you saw that Nora was asking those questions for herself more than for Erica mm-hmm. because she was having a more, a stronger reaction to some of those questions than Erica was. Mm-hmm. I think Erica picked up on that and was like, hold on, this lady is not over her own, you know, departed family. And here she is acting in some way as like an official who's like examining my case right and trying to couch this as i can give you proof of something when she has no proof herself you know sure i think that's when erica really pushed back because i think initially erica was open to whatever nora was coming to do but then Mm -hmm. when she when she saw what nora was really doing and was really about that's where, you know, she she turned against her. Okay. And then that's why she ultimately threw the rock because she put it all together. Right. You know, she didn't yeah. see Nora do it, but she knew Nora did it. She saw the connections, and she's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> again, I really like Nora's story. I really like what they're doing with her. Yeah, I, I like Nora. I've always liked Nora. I like her story. I do not like the potential of, uh, like, Charlie Brown pity party. I'm causing all of this trouble. Yeah, I don't think I don't think she's gonna do that. I think you're gonna get a an angry Nora, or or Nora finally dealing with her anger mm-hmm. more than Nora like, man, eh, I'm, I'm sad. And look, we got three episodes left. Seven, eight. Yeah. Seven, eight, nine, ten, ten four. four. We've got four episodes left. So stuff is going to happen. I hope so. I have faith. I'll give you this. Next episode. Next episode looks very intriguing. Yeah. Did you watch the preview? Yes. Yeah. So next episode looks very interesting. Uh. So hopefully it is, but again, something that I've been bringing up and obviously haven't seen the next episode yet, so I don't know, but it didn't look like there's any Tommy and Lori stuff in there. So it's like, I mean, it's, we're now going on four, five, six, four straight episodes where Lori, Lori was in this one. Okay. She's in it for five minutes yeah. saying Tommy's disappeared. Right. right. And she's clearly not in a good place. So things are not going well. Was she ever in a good place? No. no. All right. Exactly. So, exactly. So okay. So no progress. So she's she's in a different <laughs> like bad place. No progress. Right. She's in a different bad place. There you All go. Right. All right. Uh. So, so any other thoughts on uh, lens? Best episode of the season so far. Okay. Um, you are totally watching this with the wrong 
thing in mind. Yeah, I'll admit it. I, I'm I'm fed up with this show. Yeah. I'm frustrated with the show. I think that you're going to enjoy the last half of this season. Because I think they will lean more heavy on on the answers. On actually doing something. <clears throat> on actually being they're a doing, show. They're doing enough. They're doing okay, enough. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Listen to the first 40 minutes of this podcast. <sighs> yeah. All right. Again, when okay. you're editing. All right. Uh, so y- you've been listening to Everything Leftover. My name is Justin Blizzard. I was joined by... Keith Krepko. Uh... Any information on the show you can find in the show notes. You can find on our website, eipodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm at Things Come Right. And uh, we're going on uh, a brief vacation this weekend, our family. So... I'm not entirely sure when this episode is going to come out because normally I edit it the following day at work. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to be at work. I'm, go- I'm going to be driving. So maybe I'll try and do it in the cabin when we get there. It just kind of depends on how that goes. But hopefully it'll be out, I would say, at the earliest tomorrow afternoon slash evening probably friday saturday uh so we'll see uh but if you're listening to this obviously it's out <laughs> on whatever day i think it it's out. a it's an interesting <laughs> disclaimer to put on the end of the episode that hasn't come out yet <laughs> yeah um yeah so so but but that's just to say that it's not like a, a you know next week we'll be back to our normal schedule and uh you know we'll record wednesday night it'll be out thursday morning uh, so, uh, until, uh, until then, uh, you know, hopefully something happens on this show on Sunday and, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>